Welcome to Writers Talking TV, brought to you by the Writers Guild of Canada. I'm Patrick Tarr, and I'm a screenwriter who's written on shows including Saving Hope, Cracked, and King. Currently, I'm the writer of the third season of Cardinal. Today, I'll be speaking with Smith Corandia, co-creator and co-showrunner of Hard Rock Medical. The show is about a diverse group of medical students navigating their way through an offbeat medical training program in Northern Ontario, shot in Sudbury and North Bay. Here's my conversation with Smith Corandia, recorded at Tiff Bell Lightbox in Toronto. So the finale aired last night. Congratulations. Uh, was it last night? Tuesday night. Tuesday night? Yes. My apologies. No. <laughs> I watched it today. Um, very emotional episode. Yeah. I heard some people may have cried up to four or five times. So I'm not going to name <laughs> names. Uh, so how does it feel? Um, I mean, 39 episodes anywhere is a great achievement. Uh, how, do you, how are you feeling about it all? Um, I don't know. I think we were just getting started, right? You know? We were just sort of, uh, yeah, the engine was still sort of, you know, ready to continue. Well, I will get a little more to, <laughs> to future plans uh, after the screening. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about how you came to be doing this job and, you know, what your, when you knew you wanted to be a writer and how you sort of ended up doing the show? Um, yeah, I mean, I've always wanted to be an actor. At least I started out wanting to be an actor. And uh, so I did end up in New York at the Neighborhood Playhouse. And um, so that was kind of, you know, my desire originally. And I probably about three months in, I was just kind of sitting in the same chair week in and week out. <clears throat> I didn't say much and I was being very observant. And uh, at the time, I guess it was Bill Alderson who was studying under Sanford Meisner. So he comes down to me and he says, um, he says, uh, I notice you come in every week and you don't say much and you just kind of watch things. And he says, there was a student once who uh, reminded me of you and used to sit in that very same chair. He says, week in and week out. He says, you know who that student was? I said, no. And he said, David Mamet. And I thought, and so he kind of walks away and then, <laughs> One of my classmates comes over to me and he says, uh, he's just trying to fuck with your head. He said, last week he told me I was sitting in Robert Duvall's seat. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, <laughs> so anyway, I think that was um, pretty much it with my acting. And then uh, when I kind of came back to town, um, I don't know if it subconsciously kind of sort of sent me in the direction of writing, but um, that's kind of where you know, it started and ended really as an actor and then kind of began as a writer. And, um, but Hard Rock, um, I had called Derek years ago. He was kind of um, doing independent films and he did a movie called Two's a Mob. Mm -hmm. And I really liked this movie. It was kind of a spoof on Scorsese movies. And I just cold called him one day and I said, hey, I like your style. I said, you know, we can uh, we can work together. I think I think our sensibilities are the same. And he said, "Yeah, let's let's figure it out." And so you know, flash forward fifteen years later, <laughs> this kind of opportunity um, came to be um, when Derek was uh, he was already doing French shows mm -hmm. out in uh, up north, and he thought, you know what, if it can work in the French system, maybe it can work uh, in the English system and Obviously, TBO was 
the um, the right kind of broadcaster to sort of approach on doing this. So where did the idea for, I mean, is it's quite a different take on a medical drama. I mean, I haven't seen one like this before. Mm -hmm. Where did the idea for it kind of <clears throat> come, or, come about? Um, well, we had two ideas and Christine Lee is here, uh, who's our production exec at TVO. And um, I think they were open um, to doing something up north. We just had to come up with the right idea. And one was, um, I think it was an off-the-grid kind of show, right? But I think NOSM, which is the Northern Ontario School of Medicine, had opened a school up north uh, because they wanted to keep doctors in the north. And that was the way to do it. So part of their mandate was to attract more or less some of the local um, uh, people who had more of an invested interest in what was going on up north. So um, we kind of liked that idea of maybe pitching TVO, this idea of a medical show, but in the north, uh, but not in a, um, a traditional kind of a hospital setting, more or less a um, where the hospital would be out in the field. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, you know, I said, Derek, let's let's go for it. And so, you know, we went up there and met with the students in Sudbury, which was a little bit tricky because of school. We had to actually go behind their back initially because we weren't sure if they were crazy about us, <clears throat> sort of, um, uh, were they were afraid of their brand because their brand had been very strong. Yeah, and how you might portray. Right, how we might the portray. And the students might reflect on right. how people but when I walked in the room and the students were there, there was about four or five of them. That was pretty much the cast. There was, everybody had a previous life. So there was, you know, the ex-lawyer who was now a doctor, the nurse who was now becoming a doctor, um, and so on and so forth. And, uh, and pretty much from that meeting, there was enough information to take back and, and put together a proposal, a pitch. So that sort of... Uh, that meeting really actually fed into the creative of the show and how you kind of designed the cast of characters that you ended up yeah, we like working this. with for the whole show. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are, a lot of them are more mature students in NOSM and they have had previous um, careers, which kind of worked for us because we, we certainly incorporated that idea in the show, you know, especially with, you know, the character of Nancy, who was a nurse and of course, uh, Melissa's character, Melanie, who was um, the lawyer, and then Rochelle in the final season, you know, how she sort of uses um, her past of a teacher and kind of incorporates that and uses it with these parents who've lost a baby uh, or their child. Um, so it was, you know, I mean, that's kind of the formula we went with. Mm -hmm. um, it was a half hour, so I think we created a bit of a monster because we had such a big cast and then we thought, oh God, how the hell are we going to serve all these storylines week in and week out? Was there ever talk of it being an hour? Uh, we might have talked about it, but when we saw the budget, <laughs> we said, there's no way, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was a challenge to make it a half hour with the budget, but I think we were, you know, we were pretty good at sort of making it work with what we had and, and I, you know, and it was, it was, it was good. I mean, it goes by quickly and we really enjoyed the idea of actually showing two shows back to back because mm -hmm. then, you know, cause most audiences now they like serialized shows and they binge watch. So yeah, kind of made sense. Yeah. Okay. 
And so how did you and Derek, Derek who directed all of the episodes, yeah. how did you sort of, and you co-wrote all of the episodes, the two of you, Yeah. how did you kind of, how did that work with you in terms of were you, production roles and writing and rewrites when, because obviously you're shooting episode four, episode five has rewrites and notes to be done. So were you sort of the person who was doing that while he was out prepping and um, directing or? In work? the first two seasons, we were more, because I was more on set on the first two seasons. And so we were kind of, I mean, we got behind on one season writing scripts, which is a little tough because mm -hmm. we realized we need to have them all written before we actually get into production. Um, and so, but, you know, I mean, we're two guys. He lives in Ottawa. I live in Toronto. So we kind of Skyped this entire writing process we would kind of we would meet let's say north bay and sudbury and sort of break down you know the season and figured out where you know we wanted to go and then we would kind of go away and you know a lot of shows will have a whiteboard or yeah. cork boards with yeah. cards yeah you're in two different cities. Did you have some kind of software that yeah. was doing that for you? No, we did. I did have my whiteboard. And, and you just pointed to Skype at the... Turn it around <laughs> while Derek was, you know, <laughs> chopping carrots and making uh, lunch for his kids <laughs> who were home from school. I mean, it was... Because <laughs> Derek has three kids, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, it was a little manic, but I think we got into a groove. And... Um, you know, and then once we had them in the shape that we thought, you know, we could show them to the broadcaster, then Christine would basically say, nope, <laughs> throw it back to us. <laughs> and we'd have to go back to the drawing board. So <laughs> now, I mean, you're obviously you're, it's an ensemble show. You're following a lot of characters, a lot of storylines that kind of come in and out of different episodes. Did you in, in that sort of corkboard, whiteboard system, do you sort of color code you're following different characters and different things, or yeah. did you have a... Well, I did. I mean, mostly, you yeah. know, for my own kind of sanity. Um, but we knew with, with, with the conceit of our show, you know, we saw it a lot of it as really a family drama, mm -hmm. as much as it was a medical show. And so one of the stories would always have this family aspect to it, whether it was Nancy's, um, you know, her family throughout the first season to the fourth or, or whether it was Charlie mm -hmm. who was really kind of, you know, he was a bit of an interesting mm -hmm. character because, you know, we, we knew the broadcaster wasn't crazy about him initially, but I think he kind of grew on them um, eventually. And, you know, he certainly served comic relief. I mean, he was always trying to do the right thing, but mm -hmm. always kind of screwing up along the way, but he was, he kind of drove that family drama aspect of the show as well, you know. And of course, a lot of the cases were family mm -hmm. drama, right? The dynamics of it. So, yeah. mm -hmm. um, so you did four seasons. Yeah. The number of episodes per season varied a little bit. Can you remind me? It was so we had thirteen, I think, and then we had nine, ten, ten, nine, and eight. Or yeah, no, go ahead if you remember. Yeah, something like that. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, for each of those seasons, did you sort of go in with a theme in mind where you kind of <clears throat> you knew sort of that you wanted to tackle a kind of certain uh, we element did, of the Yeah. Show? I mean, the one that stands out mostly is probably season two where we tackled mental health, right? And that was 
Patrick's character was dealing with it. And then was that Sergio, the, the season with Sergio, the hockey player? That was the third season? Okay. But didn't that go over two seasons though? That was third, fourth. Right. Okay. There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> She's read the scripts, right? So how many shoot days did you have uh, per episode? Three and a little bit, right? <laughs> Three and a little bit, I want to say. Yeah. That's a lot. Uh, yeah. And the scripts were how long? Roughly? Uh, Page-wise, you mean? Yeah. Oh, 29, 30 pages. So... 10 page days every day. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. 10 pages. Congratulations on being alive. <laughs> um, and so what was your role, uh, you know, in production? Um, you weren't on set. You were. Well, I was in the first two seasons uh, on set a lot. Uh, and then, I mean, we were involved in everything. I mean, <laughs> the crazy thing is in the first season, Derek and I, were so hands-on that we literally auditioned over 312 people. We didn't have a casting director. Wow. And we responded to every single one because we were so grateful. <laughs> but we did. We responded to every, not by phone, but mm -hmm. some by phone, but some through email. And um, wow. yeah, so uh, yeah, we were, we were involved in pretty much every aspect of, you know, of the production. So, I mean, one of the challenge with the, a medical show, I mean, I've worked on one myself, yeah. is just coming up with those <clears throat> stories episode to episode, so you're not repeating yourself. Mm -hmm. Did you have a medical consultant that you worked with, or was it sort of people from the school that you were speaking to? We had, um, we had Louise McNaughton, who was actually Derek's neighbor. Okay. So she, she lived across the street and she would come over in the mornings and um, we would Skype with, with Louise, which was great before, she, you know, in between her schedule. And the great thing about Louise was, you know, we would write a story because without a consultant, of course, because it's like, this is a story we want to tell. And Louise would look at it and she'd go, hmm, that's not going to fly. She said, but I know where you're trying to get to. I'm going to help you get there. And that was a great thing about her. So she, you know, she really kind of supported where we wanted to go with our stories. And, mm -hmm. and did you find uh, the further you got in, the harder it was to kind of come up with new sort of um, medical twists, medical? Yeah. Well, the goat really that... screwed us up. I mean, once let's talk about the goat. The goat. Smith. Came... <laughs> <laughs> the goat was an interesting. I mean, it was supposed to be a one-off story about this guy you know, where they end up on, um, they're doing the mobile medic and they, uh, this guy comes in with a toothache. Um, I can't remember what his name was. What was his name? And, um, anyway, and they happen to extract his abscess tooth and then he comes back as payment and gives them a goat. And Charlie ends up taking the goat, of course, who else would take the goat, right? Brings it home to the and family. Brings it home right? to the yeah. kids, right? So once we had the goat, we thought, oh man, we, we got to keep this goat in play. And so Derek and I was kind of like a, a joke as the seasons went on. You know, we'd look at each other and we go, we need a goat. You know, <laughs> that's what the story needs. It needs a goat to sort of, you know, uh, 
push the humor a little bit and, yeah. and just sort of, you know, um, find uh, a bit of a twist on that. So, um, but the goat played out and there was a lot of people, we got a lot of um, angry notes when we killed the goat off, but, you know, I mean, we weren't doing the Sopranos, but still, <laughs> when we killed the goat off, um, it didn't go over well. Can, can, can you tell me how you killed the goat off? Um, cause well, I've seen some goat yeah. episodes, but I don't think I've seen well, the, the end of goat, the goat. It's uh, a bit story of a, the way the story plays, the goat swallows the diamonds, um, that Gina had in her locket that was thrown up by a, a miner who stole them. So mm -hmm. I'm just, you know, it's a bit of a roundabout way. Right. <laughs> and so they end up in the goat and then the idea is that if they can get the diamonds back. Charlie can stay in school because he can't afford to go to school. Mm -hmm. So anyway, while the girls, two of the characters are out on a run one day, they actually hit the goat and the goat wanders off half dead in the woods. It's actually very sad. <laughs> and they put it down with fentanyl that was taken from one of the characters, right? It was in the glove comp compartment for quite a bit of time until mm -hmm. we kind of paid that off the fentanyl. It all worked out. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> would so you, would you say is that gone. is, would you say that's the strangest storyline you did on the show? Um, yeah. I mean, it, it certainly worked, you know, maybe we pushed it a bit. I don't know, but you know, we found ways to kind of keep the goat alive. And then we said, man, we got to get rid of this goat because he's taking up way too much screen time. He's going to ask for a trailer pretty uh, soon. We can't <laughs> afford the Wrangler anymore. <laughs> um, what, what would you say was the biggest challenge in writing, producing this series over four seasons? Was Oh, it was drama gold. I mean, there was no challenge at all. <laughs> but I mean, just as far as, uh, you know, bringing it back every, every season and, and well, keeping these guys I mean, <laughs> with the budget we had, but I think they believed in the show that, um, you know, that's what brought them back. Mm -hmm. And, uh, because you know, as well, casting is everything. And, you know, that's what I think brought the audience in every week is they kind of fell in love with the characters and, uh, you know, and these guys made me look really good. So, you know, it was a lot. To, uh, well, and, and, you know, seeing through all four seasons, you see often you'll see a lot of turnover after season one or season two and characters will drop off and yeah. be recast. Mm. And, and this really felt like you say a family drama. It kind of felt mm -hmm. like that because you saw you were seeing the same, really tracking the same characters through the life yeah. of the series. And, and you know, and we had pretty large guest roles every week mm -hmm. within that. So, um, I mean, that, that was the challenge as well is knowing that you had to serve all your main characters, which is 13, Do we have 13, eight, 12 main characters. And then these guest roles and some mm -hmm. had very large recurring storyline, like Eric Peterson had one. And then the couple in the final season who lost their little girl mm -hmm. and we had, um, um, did I answer your question? No. Yeah, I think so. Is that <laughs> <laughs> well, the question was the the biggest challenge in um, 
I guess in just making the show, and I mean, it, maybe it was budget. Maybe making it was the show—that's the biggest challenge. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I making mean, a television show. I yeah. think that's just make, keeping just, it on air for yeah, yeah four years. Yeah. Just to go back uh, a little bit, as, sort of, as far as your process of pitching the show to TVO. to TVO, and you've got a bit of a unique um, situation that you run on two networks. Yeah. Do, uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Um, well, the first season we actually had Australia as part of the, the package and they, I guess they aired the show. They had a, a season of airing it yeah. and, um, and we thought that that's what the template for the show would be in terms of, but they kind of dropped off and then we had TVO and APTN and I think they worked out basically how, um, uh, how they would schedule the show because TVO was really, you know, um, provincial Ontario and, and they would be national, which worked and the show got a lot of airtime as a result of that. Um, but TVO was, you know, the primary broadcaster. So we, we got very little notes from APTN. Mm -hmm. I think by the time it got there, the show was pretty much pretty tight. And, um, and, you know, and we had a lot of storylines that were set, um, you know, on the res. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, and so, you know, we thought that APTN might have a lot to say about them, but I think by the time it got to them and, you know, even within the cast, we had consultants, you know, Andrew Menard would be one as well. Um, that, uh, I think, um, you know, we did pretty good in terms of not stepping on anybody's toes mm -hmm. in terms of telling those stories. Because our, our show was really in the end, even though we took some stories that, you know, didn't shine a very kind of positive light, um, it was always about hope. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's what APTN liked about the show as well, was that there was, you know, kind of hope in terms of these characters and where they were going. So, um, so And so you started shooting in Sudbury. Yes. And then moved to North Bay after season two. two. So do you want to talk just a bit about what your relationship was like with the places you were shooting and how that kind of did that feed into the show? Uh, you know, just the experience of being up there and sort of seeing well, what it was like. Did yeah. that well, Canada College you? was a little more instrumental in North Bay. Mm -hmm. and, um, and we used the facilities up there as well. And of course, you know, um, location kind of does dictate where you're going to set certain um, certain scenes. And we tried to sort of work within a very close radius to the school as well, mm -hmm. in terms of where we set the location for cost and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, there were two totally different different experiences, but both very positive, you know, whether it was Sudbury or North Bay. Mm -hmm. And you shot over, I know I definitely saw some episodes in the winter and some in the summer. Yeah. Did you kind of run the whole gamut of the, of the northern seasons? weather? Yeah, yeah, one each season, right? Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. So I imagine winter was hard. Harder on them. <laughs> <laughs> Top of it, right? That's right. Trying to set off balloons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. 
Kristen Stewart, here it is. Uh, did you find that the, you know, the characters that you created based on, some of them based on at least the, the people that you met right. early on at the school, did you, did you find that they kind of metamorphosed over the course of the seasons and that you, sometimes characters kind of take on their own lives and yeah. it's, mm. you, you kind of, you're not writing them anymore. They're kind of writing themselves at a certain totally. point, if you know well, what I mean. Very early on, I think they, they just, I mean, the characters were so distinct mm -hmm. and I could hear the voices of each character. So it was, it was pretty easy in that respect, you know, because they gave so much at that point in terms of, um, um, what they were bringing yeah. to their character, and they brought so much more, you know, as the as the show went on. So, um, mm -hmm. well, I think we're getting to be about time to watch uh, an episode. Okay. It's uh, it's season four, episode seven, six. It's uh, one, two, three, thirty-six. Is that seven? I think it's seven. Is that seven, Christine? Six, six. You sure? Uh, is there anything you'd, you'd like to say to uh, introduce this episode if maybe people um, aren't as, mm. as versed in the show? I mean, the um, episode's called Stuff. Yeah. And Stuff Happens. And Stuff I, Happens. Yeah. I think it's pretty much self-explanatory. <laughs> All right, then. We're good for that. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's watch an episode, then. You want to um, say about that episode in particular? Any uh, kind of behind the scenes, um, sort of how those storylines came to be, or? Well, actually, that <clears throat> the idea of the elderly in the north um, and the lack of um, um, care available to them. Yeah, I wanted something. to ask about that because it's not a story that I've really seen covered on any other show before and it's such a big issue not even just in the north but everywhere right now and becoming yeah, more it is, more so. It, it certainly is but I mean the problem is that there's uh, I can't remember what the numbers were in terms of you know how many doctors like in a big city center versus how many in a um, in a center like up in northern mm -hmm. Ontario so um, and that is a bit of the challenge, uh, especially with the elderly who are either on their own or um, even with their caretakers who usually get burnt out, which is kind of what this episode mm -hmm. um, is about. So, um, and did that uh, that story ran over much of season four, right? And uh, around yeah, it, it, Eric Peterson's mm, character. Yeah, it started in season three, and that was kind of where you have the previously on mm -hmm. where they find a bit of a loophole because she's addicted to um, the lorazepam. Right. Yeah, yeah, I remember that And one. so they find a bit of a loophole to, um, to put her in uh, the psych ward so she'll get immediate care as opposed to putting her in a, a drug rehab facility, which wouldn't be appropriate for her. And then she would get properly taken care of, and that's what the character Kessler is saying to them at the end when he says, you and your boyfriend thought you gamed the system because it kind of boomeranged and then of course um, and it's kind of a bit of a no-win situation mm -hmm. and what was the the inspiration for for sort of tackling that 
issue? Was it a, a personal one or and just observation yeah. of? It actually was personal with, with my parents. It, it kind of started there when they, get, they got a little older. Um, you know, I mean, not like that because, you know, the couple you see there don't really have family. Mm -hmm. um, but that's kind of where it started. And, you know, and it, re and it is a real big issue uh, in terms of the elderly being mm -hmm. left on their own. And one of the earlier episodes uh, when Kessler talks to uh, Gina and Cameron when they first go to see them, see him, they, they approach him about him overprescribing. And that's what he kind of brings up, you know. Back in the day, you know, the elderly were taken in by, by the kids and they'd live at home with the kids and that kind of has sort of fallen away mm -hmm. uh, in our times. And, and, um, and that's why, you know, you'll see much more uh, like stories like this uh, more often. I, uh, maybe, and maybe I'm getting my seasons mixed up, but even in season one, I think you were kind of doing these kind of stories. Yeah. When there, there well, was the, the, the elderly woman who the had same the... same character. It was the same character, right? Yeah, well, that's, I mean, people who follow the show, there <laughs> some characters have played three different roles, right. quite a few of them, like... Like actors have played three different the roles. The actors yeah. have played actually three different roles. And um, there's one character who plays Nancy, and that's because we used, that's one thing we're proud of, is that we used all the talent up north, but we used it really quickly, and so we had to recycle them. And so if people who are following the show, in this season, Nancy's son, who comes for the first time, her second son, who comes to visit her, is, was, uh, he played the character of Noah, Mm -hmm. who's the one who committed suicide, who were also following the storyline where the, mother come, the grandmother comes back to take. Right. So there's actually a scene that kind of jilted me a bit when um, you're watching and you're watching Nancy's talking to her son and then you actually cut to the scene of the grandmother <laughs> who's talking about the same character but playing a different, like the same actor playing a different role. So... Um, um. With medical dramas, it's always uh, it's a tricky balance between hope and tragedy, and you you need a little bit of both, right. I think, to kind of fuel the drama of the show. And did you ever find that you had to kind of course correct either when you were shooting or in editing that you sort of went too too light or too dark or? Um, yeah, I mean that's where TVO really kind of helped us along when they felt that we needed a bit more of a balance in the show or if the show was might have been a little too heavy-handed with a certain storyline so i mean that's when they they really helped us in terms of balancing some mm -hmm. of those storylines we did have a lot more humor i think in the first two seasons and then the story just almost naturally took on more of a dramatic tone in in the mm -hmm. third and fourth i mean you know we there was humor in it, but there were more humorous storylines like the goat and right. stuff like that. Or, yeah. you know, um, Charlie being stranded out to find somebody's ring who lost his finger. And I like that story. <laughs> <laughs> which we were saying that's kind of the classic northern story. Yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you find... Uh, I mean, it's, it's often said, you know, you tell the story once on the page, you tell the story once 
on the floor when you're shooting it, and then you tell it a third time in post-production. Right. Did you find that to be the case on this show, that, that things would change a little bit and you'd have to kind of discover what was working and kind of lean into that more? Or did you, did you feel like it was pretty much what you ended up with at the end was sort of what um, your intent from, from the get-go? Yeah, sometimes we'd maybe just move scenes around. You yeah. know, so the way we wrote them on page, I think that's that happens, but nothing major that I can recall. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of that, um, I mean, sometimes the way Derek and I worked was we would just take characters and say, "You take this character," because we knew what the story was for that character. So mm-hmm. they would write the character out. And then I'd write a character out, and then we would just write characters out. And then we, when we had all the characters' stories, we'd sort of fit them in, right, on the Remotely. board like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't always do that, but sometimes that's the way we did it because we just had it, like, especially later, not initially, but, you know, like even in fourth season. And. The process of collaborating with someone who's directing all the episodes right. is, is a pretty rare one. <clears throat> uh, how did that did that How did that work for you? Was it? Uh, I mean, he obviously comes to the table with a certain knowledge of what mm-hmm. kind of what he's capable of doing from day to day on set. Right. So I, I, I imagine that factored into the conversations. But was there anything else where you kind of felt like? There was a special <laughs> skill that sort of he had, and then something was a well, dialogue more your thing. How did that work? Yeah, well, mostly because I mean, the, the thing with Derek is Derek's a bit more like my safety net, so he knows what we can shoot and what we can't shoot. Yeah. So, I'll just go away and write something. He'll look at it. He goes, "Yeah, we can't shoot that. That's <laughs> <laughs> production won't be able to do that." <laughs> but what it did was it allowed the freedom for me to sort of you know, take off with the story and, and at least go to that place and then yeah. kind of bring it back as opposed to going, you can't go there and then you just don't creatively allow yourself to explore that. So sometimes, you, you know, you had to have the freedom to kind of find the emotion of a story and then, yeah. and then you could kind and of take the kind logistics of, of it and rein it in a little bit. Yeah. Sort of yeah. like that. Yeah. That's kind of how we, we did it. So, uh, now I, you know, in the episodes I've seen, you seem to end with a kind of uh, montage yeah. in each episode uh, set to music. And I know that mm-hmm. was an important part of, of yeah, the huge. process of the show. Do you want to yeah. talk about that a little bit? Um, well, pretty much all the artists, I think, were northern artists that we used. Um, I don't know if they were all from northern Ontario, but um, that was kind of something that... Um, we wanted as the conceit of the show as well is that we would usually end uh, with a, an original artist, mm-hmm. Canadian, Northern. Um, most of the shows have a montage. I'm not sure if they all do, but that was kind of um, how we worked it. I uh, have also worked on a mm-hmm. medical show that often ended with, with montages. <laughs> After a while, you're like, I don't know how to write a montage. I think there's none. There's nothing left to yeah. do. I mean, did you, did you find you were sort of running out of some steam yeah. in that regard? Sometimes we didn't write the montage, and we said we needed a montage, and we actually had to go find footage to sort of, you know what I mean? Yeah. And we kind of cobbled something yeah, together. Cobbled something together. Not yeah, often. It was very effective. I mean, right? It, because it's expensive to go out and shoot. You yeah. know, all these different sort of, you know, montage pieces. So. 
Um, but we knew we had that. We always knew that we would need a montage. So in the shooting, we knew exactly what we would pull, say, um, and sort of incorporate it mm -hmm. into the montage. So um, now you got uh, obviously a tons of production value just from shooting in the north and just the beautiful landscapes there. Did you sort of go into each episode kind of thinking about when you would try and open it up and okay, we got to get out of the hospital here and try and and try and just showcase this because it, it really does yeah. offer a lot of uh, visual value to the show. Yeah, I think there were times where we got really, there were episodes that were very interior uh, oriented and that's when TVO would say, hey, we need to go outside and and you know, we just set the scenes outside. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. sometimes that was an easier fix where we thought, oh, well, this can play outside. You can use a transition shot even or something totally. to connect the mm -hmm. hospital to yep. somebody's house or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, did you ever find it a challenge when, you know, when you have a cast this big and so many storylines to track that just making sure that you're serving everybody, that, that you're kind of not... <laughs> was that, was that a, a challenge for you? Um, we did pretty good. I mean, the students were the core, mm -hmm. and then we had the faculty. So our first focus was really making sure that, that the eight characters, the, the med students, um, were somewhat equally balanced. I mean, it's, it's not easy to do sometimes, like I said, when you've got 23, 45, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you've only got nine episodes per season. Um, like in the third season, we thought we were going to lose the character of um, Gary from Australia. Mm -hmm. And that was going to open up um, actually a, a bigger storyline for, for the faculty. Um, and we kind of planned on that. And then in, you know, in the 11th hour, um, we were able to keep Gary, which was really instrumental in terms of the story with the cop. Mm -hmm. So to lose him, that was a huge story because we'd already started that story in season three. And that's where he goes to the reconciliation, yeah. right? Um, so anyway, it worked out in the end that we were able to keep him. And uh, yeah, sometimes, you know, you don't have the real estate and um, you got to pick and choose, um, yeah. you know, and you go with the strongest story. I think that usually tells you um, that's the easiest your mm -hmm. strongest story tells you, you know, what you're going to write to. Yeah. So, were, did you find that you were pretty efficient uh, in terms of knowing how much would go into an episode? Did did, a lot, did much end up on the cutting room floor, or were you pretty good at kind of knowing? No, we were pretty economical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ten pages a day. There's not. Yeah, a well, lot that's of time. Derek, right? I mean, yeah. that's just him. He's, you know, he's he knows exactly what he wants, and um, there's not a lot of fat there. Mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, just shooting your forever and ever and ever. So um, so were all of the episodes written before you went into prep in general? Or in did general, you have outlines? Were, or you... Well, we do start with outlines for the shows, and then, you know, um, TVO has a look at them, and then we basically go from there. The first two seasons we got stuck, mm -hmm. and we didn't have all the episodes written before. 
um, the season started, and you know, and that's a bit of a challenge when you. Yeah, and that was that was your mostly your challenge, I would mm-hmm. imagine, at that point. Uh, but the last two seasons, I think that was the goal was to make sure that you know. So it was just rewrites after that. And yeah, you're still issuing mm-hmm. new pages. And yeah, yeah. And now, how much time did you have in prep for these seasons? Not a lot. Eh? <laughs> Do we have any prep? <laughs> I don't think we had any prep. Let, let's. Okay. <laughs> uh, did you know that season four was going to be the final season of the show? Yes, we did. Yeah. And I guess, you know, knowing that and knowing that, you know, you have to sort of bring all of this to a close. Um, it's a big challenge to end a show and have mm-hmm. it feel satisfying. I think you yeah. guys did a <clears throat> terrific job. Um, but I guess, do you, could you talk a little bit about how you approached that final season and did you know from the beginning where some of these characters were going to end up? Um, yeah, we did. The thing is we knew that it was a four year program. Right. And so we were new, we knew we were in it for four years. I mean, that, that's what the hope was. And so even though the show ends, their lives obviously continue on now they become doctors, um, so the idea of knowing that they were going to have a four-year curriculum and we would play it out through that, we had a sense, but you know what it's like. I mean, stuff changes from season to season and yeah. you sort of, you know, you go with that. Um, the only character I can say that we had, because she was a bit of a challenge initially, was the, the character of Farida. And... Um, and it's partly because, you know, maybe because Frida had hijab and all that can possibly entail in terms of a character and trying to sort of, I don't want to say be politically correct, but what we did with Frida actually was we put her into the most um, challenging, um, we challenged that character more mm-hmm. than any of the other characters, partly because we knew that she was hiding a secret mm-hmm. and that we would reveal that you know, at the very end, say. So she's one of the characters, I think, that we we had a, you know, a bit of an idea of where we were going to go with her, you know, over the course of four years. And she's the one who changes probably the most because she's really kind of stuffy and, you know, kind of anal in the first season. And then she opens up by the end of it. Mm -hmm. So... Um, do you want to just, uh, I, I'm sure a lot of people here are, are, are aspiring writers. Do you want to just talk about your writing process a little bit? I mean, you're sitting down to write a script on any given day. <laughs> do you have a routine? Do you, do you use, you know, internet blockers? Do you like, what do you have a, do you do three hours and then take a break? Do you like sort of, what's your, what's your way um, of working? Well, it's funny cause you know, we joked with this, my wife's here tonight and before I, I became a full-time writer, I was actually in a family business. And so I had like one foot in the family business and writing. And we owned like this boutique garden center. So I would get home at nine. And then I would discipline myself to write till midnight for quite a few years. Wow. And so I was stockpiling all these stories and ideas. But that's the way I kind of trained myself was kind of like, you know, working out thing. So, I mean, my discipline is is similar, but I'm not writing in the evenings. It's kind of in the day. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I mean, my process is I get an idea and I don't know where that 
where it is in terms of the story. It could be the middle, it could mm -hmm. be the end, it could be, and then I just kind of work from there because that's kind of the way you make television and you know what I mean? It's all mm -hmm. pieces that you're putting together. There's no real, it's not linear by any means. Mm -hmm. So people who think that they have to kind of sit down at a computer and start at the beginning and kind of figure out where their character walks <laughs> into the scene and then um, it's just, it's not that. It's not that for me and I'm sure it's not like that for a lot mm -hmm. of writers, so. Do you have, do you work from home? I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah just the office and office close the and door the, and. You know, I have my whiteboard in there and yeah. you know. 20 different ideas and you know that's the thing it's hard to work on more than one idea <laughs> in a day yeah <laughs> you kind of have to say okay this week I'm going to work on this idea and mm -hmm. kind of finish that otherwise it's, you know you don't get you got two stories that the characters are kind of crossing over and you're going wait a minute yeah. this is a little crazy do you feel like your um, background as an actor uh plays into the way that you write at all, the way that you approach scene work, the way that you think of character? I don't know, ask the actors. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's the, a habit that I think almost all screenwriters have to, to break, including me. I still do it, of getting in late and leaving early right. to get a good party guest. Um, <laughs> it's, and it's really hard. You always, you just, for some reason, you just about people, you, you just think they're going to enter the room. But it's, it's something you really have to try and get yourself out of. Because mm -hmm. really, usually, the, the key part of the scene is somewhere right in the middle. Yeah. Absolutely. And especially when you're doing, you know, a half hour drama, you just, yeah. you don't have time for a lot of setup. I mean, you know, our show sometimes does have a slower pace, but I think it's the setting, it's in the North, it's the people, it's just, that's just the way it is, you know? Mm -hmm. And we often said, you know, we have to sort of, you know, we got to pick it up a bit, but it just sort of had its natural kind of tempo at times and, mm -hmm. I, and I think that we stayed true to that in particular. It's funny how you know the first seasons are always a struggle mm -hmm. but it, it, at, a, at a certain point somehow shows sort of start to tell you what they are right and and then it becomes it's it's sort of more of a, just trying to channel what works and did you find that to be the case? Yeah no absolutely yeah. I think you know, once the goat showed up. <laughs> <laughs> well, the goat really uh, feels like a, a sort of watermark. For it's, <laughs> it's a bit of a running gag. <laughs> <I think the goat. laughs> um, it's an inside joke. <laughs> so uh, do you want to talk about what's next for you? I know we, it was sort of alluded to uh, off the top, but um, what I know, I, I know of one thing, obviously, but uh, really anything that, that's coming up, new projects for you? Mm. Well, I always thought I'd want to be a cobbler. <laughs> <laughs> you and Daniel Daly. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, what's next? Uh, yeah, this show could certainly live on, you know, uh, very easily. You know, the template is, is, is pretty strong and, and uh, 
you know, if you look at that show and they're suddenly all doctors, um, mm-hmm. um, you don't have to stretch your imagination so you too could far. Sort of... I mean, this is a pitch, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, but if For you all guys, you broadcasters, you guys there. said they're they're all here. <laughs> they're all here, aren't they? Um, you guys have a bit of a, a plan, you know, I think, for <laughs> for a sort of spinoff, not even really a spinoff, a kind of uh, well, I mean, it next would, chapter, I it guess. Would it would certainly be very easy to spin off this yeah. show. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then to be doctors in the North and pretty much doing what they're doing, but now they're doctors and they don't have, you know, faculty mm-hmm. kind of breathing over there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And is that something you're hoping, you know, to see happen in the near? Could be. Yeah. You right. never know. Okay. <laughs> uh, anything else? Are you, you know, do you write, do you write uh, feature films? Are you looking at? Yeah, that's so, such a long process. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, like any writer, you've got a bunch of stuff in here, basically. Yeah. Just moving them along. <laughs> Week to week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, maybe we should open it up to the crowd. Uh, I've been told to say that uh, if you are, you know, when we call you out to ask your question, just wait for the microphone to arrive. Uh, it's being recorded for a podcast, so it would be great if uh, the people who are listening could hear your question. So uh, anybody, uh, any questions for Smith? Uh, right up in the front here. Uh, so, oh shit. Um, sorry. Um, yeah, it, it, it is off putting. Yeah, <laughs> uh, with so many characters, it's really difficult to like uh, stitch a narrative together. But you did it really well, from what I've seen. I didn't see the show, but like, mm-hmm. watch it when I get back <laughs> home. But um, when you were first coming up with the idea, did you have any like different changes? How many rewrites? Or, like, uh, you mean in terms of characters? In terms of characters. And, like, um, hmm. I think the characters pretty much stayed from the beginning. I don't think we... I mean, yeah, in the initial concept, there were other characters that we were playing with, but um, I think this is generally pretty much um, the cast, you know, from day one in terms of on paper that we we stayed with, so... Thanks. Mm -hmm. I think we have one, uh, one back there. Hi. Hi. Um, <laughs> I was wondering, is this your uh, usual genre of writing? You said that you've done a lot of practice writing in your past. What's your <laughs> usual genre? Um, I'd probably have to say not my usual genre. I mean, this show is actually really, I want to say by design, because um, it didn't come from an organic place initially, you know, where you're a writer and you write about what you know, but it was uh, a great exercise, if I can use that word, um, because we knew the money was there, we knew there was a potential broadcaster, and we kind of chased it down, and um, when you're kind of put in that situation, uh, it's amazing how creative you can be when, you know, you can kind of see what your goal is and where the finish line is in terms of that. So, um, no, not my, not my genre. 
I mean, I grew up in a Sicilian family, so, you know, say no more. <laughs> However, um, the family dynamic part I certainly used in the show. I mean, that's kind of what I really enjoyed bringing to the show was that aspect of, of the family drama. So, you know, um, so in that respect, I guess, you know, that part of it for sure. Sometimes writing to a, a target, a specific sort of target is easier than a blank page. Absolutely. Like a uh, blank page is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> um, any, uh, any other questions up there? Uh, Hi. Can you Hi. tell me how much the average budget was for an episode? <laughs> <laughs> Do you really want to know? Do I really have to say? <laughs> well, as a writer, I tend to think of um, the budget as I'm writing. You're talking about the budget for the entire No, just for series? like an, an episode. What would you say? Well, this wouldn't... Okay. I mean, say, I can... Say the one that we just saw. That one there, I think, in season four was probably two... 85 maybe 285,000 for that one and we've done some that were like 235 wow which you know and you can probably that's it's a very good looking show for <laughs> for that amount of money it's yeah. it's a real challenge to to make a series but when you do when you know what your budget is <laughs> then you have to be extremely frugal and efficient and streamlined and I mean you know you just can't go crazy so it's I, I think from that aspect it's it's good for for writers to to sort of learn how to do that because when you're a new writer and I still do it I'm you know whether you're a new writer or not you write like you know like the universe is endless right mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, that's not the reality you know, in television, so. It's, it's a funny thing, but sometimes I find now I, I go too far, that I'm, that I'm letting thoughts about money kind of get in the way before I've even figured out mm. what I'm doing. So right. it, it can sometimes be a, a double-edged sword of you have to be realistic about what you can do, but you also want to let your imagination go mm -hmm. <clears throat> without being too limited by thinking of things that are, you know, Way, possibly way down the line. Right. Well, that's why when the co-creator is the actual producer, it's it's good for me to yeah. sort of write with that kind of partner. So. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, I think there was another one up there. Hi. Hi. Um, did your original concept include all of the diversity? Yes, right from the get-go. And um, have you ever written a show that you thought, like, oh, they're just, this is going to get picked up. This is a no-brainer and, and didn't. And can you share any information Every show. about that show? <laughs> All of them, okay. <laughs> um, sorry, what was the question again? Did I ever is, is pitch there a, a show, show, you mean? In, your, in your, the history of your writing where you thought oh. this is the one, but it, it didn't go. Yes. And that was... 10 years ago, and I'm still pitching it. It's probably gone through, I want to say three broadcasters in development, but we're still think we can sell the show. So 
Is that unusual? Probably. I mean, uh, you know, depending on, I don't know, there's so many different variables that sort of would dictate why you would continue to pitch a certain, I wouldn't do that with every show. Um, but with this particular one, it just seems to, it just doesn't want to die. We don't know why, but you know, uh, there's always somebody knocking on your door saying, Hey, you remember? Um, so yes. Do you mind sharing what genre it is? It's, uh, a drama, yeah. Okay, thanks. One hour, one hour drama. Family. Family procedural. Yeah. Yeah, both, because that's kind of, you know, where I think is the best. Um, that's what interests me is to sort of try and sort of perfect those mm -hmm. two worlds. I mean that you know HBO does do those somewhat family procedural type, you know, if six feet under could be considered that with the family business and even oh, the Sopranos sure. with this family business. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've heard it said that every successful show is, is about family in some way or another, even it's a, even if it's a family inside a, you know, a, right. a police right. unit or something, mm -hmm. there's, it's, it's always, because that's sort of what, people relate to the most, yeah. I think. It's, and that's it's a universal. Kind today, of. it seems like, you know, if it's a Netflix show, that's usually what the genre is more and more mm -hmm. because of the whole serial element and people are binge watching shows. So, yeah. um, you know, I mean, there's room for law and order. I mean, it's still going on, right? Mm -hmm. So, Is it? Isn't it? I think it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I know. Even they have to reuse actors in New York uh, at this yes. point. <laughs> um, anybody, any other questions out there? We've got one over here. Oh, and one down here. Hi. Hi. Uh, wow, it is jarring. <laughs> so my question is uh, for both of you guys. Uh, what advice would you give an aspiring writer? I find a lot of times um, when I'm in a situation like this where I'm listening to a professional writer, they kind of say, yeah, I was in my basement, I was writing this story, and then all of a sudden I have a TV series, but they don't really talk about the step-by-step -step process. Like, did you get an agent? Did you have to send in a query letter? Like, what was your process like for both of you guys? Go ahead. Yeah, sure. <laughs> the one one thing that I, I you know having I've been I don't know doing this about ten years now, and working with a lot of other writers is that everybody's origin story is totally different. I worked a long time. I started as a PA. I mean, I did craft service. I did props. I was a set dresser for like ten years, and uh, kind of wanted to write novels and and stuff and. Uh, and it was a really sort of long, drawn-out process for me to get there. And what happened was I, I wrote a book that someone optioned and to take through the film center. And I wrote the script for it and sort of just through that got exposure to some people and got enough encouragement that I decided to really go for it. And then uh, I went to the film center myself. I uh, kind of came out of there and got an agent and optioned a few feature scripts, most of which didn't get made. One did eight years later, uh, the, the co-write. And, uh, and then, you know, it was still a number of years of struggle before I finally kind of got into my first TV room and then things started to go from there. 
but I know people who've you know come up from office PAs or people who come out of playwriting. There's there's no one way. I think the most important thing is always to just study scripts and and write as much as you can and get as good as you can and then just try and get that stuff out there and try and network and yeah that's that's mm -hmm. all i can say um yeah i mean for me it was not in the traditional way like i've not worked on anybody else's show i've only had my own show i guess um and that's probably because i was really writing a lot first of all and I enjoyed the idea of a creator. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, if I were to go back, I kind of would have wanted to work on other people's show, shows and get that perspective and then apply it because I think that's probably, you know, the best places in terms of a learning experience for a young writer. Um, and chase somebody down who you admire. I mean, you know, the worst they can say is no. Within I mean, reason. Within reason, yeah. You don't want to stalk <laughs> don't them. Don't have scissors. <laughs> you don't have to stalk them, but, you know, I, I think if you um, formulate a very intelligent, <laughs> not always, but, you know, some people react differently to stuff like that. Um, you know, that's, that's what I would, I would say. I mean, you know, you have to write every day, though. That for me, I have to write. I write every day, you know, whatever it is. I mean, there's just so much stuff. I just think it makes you a better writer. And um, and there's, you know, and not to get stuck on um, thinking, you know, because we all say this. We think this is what the broadcaster wants. I mean, the reality is, is that in my experience, they want something different. But the moment you give them something different, they want the same. You know, especially in Canada, because we don't have what they have in the U.S. I mean, the U.S., they can make four or five hundred pilots and then just junk them. We don't have that luxury in Canada. And so it's easier sometimes for them to sort of accept a procedural that looks like, you know, something that's sold and will sell. So that's the tough part I find about being being a, a writer, especially in Canada, is that... Um, you know, you don't want to fall into a trap and think and go out and start writing what you think they want, because I've tried that. And the moment you do that, it just doesn't sound original anymore. Then it's like, oh, well, this, you know, this looks like everything else out there. So your own voice is yeah. your best asset. Totally. I mean, you got to be true to yourself. I mean, I know it sounds like a cliche. It is a cliche, but it's one worth, you know, listening to in terms of that. I think there was uh, there was one right here too. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Um, I had a question. You mentioned earlier that um, you and your partner casted this yourself. Yeah. Which, first of all, like I can't imagine getting a direct response. I'm myself a, as am an actor, so mm -hmm. getting that would be like a miracle. Like, oh, I, did, <laughs> I did okay. I don't know. Um, but also. Uh, what was that process like for you? Like, what did you look for um, in terms of, like, these are characters that you've created and, in a sense, nurtured along or had an idea mm -hmm. in your head. So what was that process like for your partner and yourself? Um, hmm. Well, all the main casting we did at TVO. So, like, the, the, the main cast, we, you know, we went through quite a few. I can't say that we 
you know, agreed on what we were all looking for initially. And I think there were some callbacks. Danielle, you were called back a few times, right? Melissa? Not Patrick. Well, Patrick was a shoe in. <laughs> <laughs> we knew Patrick from the start that, uh, that he was going to play Dr. Healy. Um, Sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> uh, no, it's okay. Uh, the question was just, what was the process like for you, knowing that you had to ca you were casting this yourself, not through oh. kind of a third party? Um, well, initially, we we loved the idea of knowing that you know every single person that is on screen, we actually saw ourselves and were able to cast and communicate with. Um, now, second season was a totally different book. <laughs> it's like we were in over our heads by the time we, we got into that. But it was actually very satisfying. You know, and I, because I was an actor, maybe I had a little bit more simpatico towards doing that process. And, um, I mean, if we had the time to do it, I don't mind doing it. I actually enjoy it, the, the casting process, because... When you see somebody, when you have an idea in your head of what the character is, and then they come in and you're thinking, oh, okay, maybe they can be the character and bring this sort of element, because that, that's going to happen. You know, I mean, it's all on the page, and it doesn't really exist until somebody breathes life into the character. So, yeah. so. How did you um, balance, because you, obviously you're casting a lot in the North, and there's a, there's a, a casting agency... Yeah, there was Jim Clarko. So Up Jim there. Clarko came, and he did mo most of the northern casting. But at some point, we knew all the actors. Yeah, and then but then there were there was also actors that we'd bring up from Toronto. Yes. Did you sort of look at a character, and I guess how how did you decide whether you were going to cast a character locally or go to Toronto or Montreal or something? Right. Simple he made a as money that. symbol with his fingers for people at home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other questions out there? Oh, more. Uh, we got one here and one here. Hi. Oh. Hi there. Hello. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> um, I'm uh, in school for screenwriting, and I'm native. And I, a lot of my characters are native, um, or are going to be, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, the casting process—is it hard to like? I'm imagining that it's going to be hard for me to kind of find native characters. Okay. Uh, so I was just going to ask, like, um, how was it for you? Hmm. It's funny because I would probably go to you <laughs> 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 and ask, where could we find? Um. I think part of it was the networking in, in terms of the people, uh, well, up north anyway. Well, being up north, it was a lot easier to sort of plug into who was available. I mean, there wasn't a lot that we could, and you did Cardinal, so I'm not mm -hmm. sure if uh, you found the same. Yeah, I, we, we in the season I did, we had a, a number of indigenous characters, and uh, it, 
there are plenty of actors but you got out them from there. Our, but you got them from our show, right? So, 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 <laughs> but uh, I, there was it was more a, a thing of competition. Is I think there was a big movie shooting at the same time, and there was just a lot of people were booked. So it was uh, there. There are lots and lots of great, great um, indigenous actors out there. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of making sure it's they're available. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, and just looking at you know shows like Mohawk Girls and you yeah. know, films and uh, you, you can you can check some of these out and see if if any of these actors really speak to you. I think it's one way to do. It. I think uh, down here we have one too. Hi, um, where did the um, inspiration for the idea for the show come from? Uh, well, like we sort of said earlier, it was more or less a show by design uh, because TVO was really looking for something that would be in the north and I guess educational. Um, I was going to direct you to Christine, who's sitting right <laughs> beside you from TVO, but I'm thinking, oh, don't ask me. <laughs> um, so it was really actually by design. Um, and then it, it sort of, it, it certainly grew from there. And we had a really tough time, though, convincing Nossum, which is the northern, and it took us a year. So we were delayed a year because they thought we would hurt their brand. And then I think... Um, I'm not sure who was at the meeting there when they went to talk to Dr. Strasser. Um, but anyway, they, we eventually convinced them. And then they were just, you know, over the moon in terms of that we weren't going to hurt their brand. And, you know, they kind of got that, you know, every doctor or med student, you know, comes with certain warts and stuff so they knew they weren't going to be squeaky clean but in the end um you know they're like any person you know who's human i guess and is going to have faults and that's what we wanted to portray in terms of the characters and whether they were doctors or med students otherwise who's going to watch really you know if your characters are squeaky clean and there's no challenges or conflict and so on and so forth so i mean they got it Mm -hmm. do, do you mind if we ask you a question, Christine? Can, 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 can you speak to, I guess, what really appealed to you about this show? And I know it wasn't necessarily the kind of thing that you were ordinarily doing. So I guess what made you kind of take the leap of faith with, with Smith and, and Derek in the show? Yeah, this is um, this is TVO's first drama, so uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so uh, it was a big process. Well, you, you started on a high. Yes, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> we think so. Um, so it was radically different for for, for us. And uh, what what sort of appealed to us about the show is it is it wasn't a, a typical medical drama. Um, it was set in the north, which was really important to us. It had a diverse cast, which was mammothly important to us. It really was to 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 look at that and. Um, you know, the, the the sort of crux of the show for us is how is medicine different in the North? There's a lot of challenges in the North. And so that was what was coming through in the show, I think, and that was the thing that was important to us. That, and that's, that's what appealed to us. And um, and the team was amazing. Mm -hmm. A small team, but a mighty team, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and when we went through the casting process, and, you know, yeah, we had a few, we had a few uh, differences of opinion, but when it gelled, um, it was magic for us. It really was. 
Awesome. Thank you. Uh, any other questions? Hello, congratulations on producing a great show. Thank you. I'm northern born and bred myself, so I appreciate mm. always seeing something in the north. Um, without getting into specific numbers, can I prod you on the pieces of your financing? I know you had <laughs> money from oh. TVO and APTN, and I'm presuming the northern um, fund yeah. and tax credits. Was there any other uh, money in there, distribution advances or anything like that? Mm. Or, uh, no distribution advances. Third windows? No third like windows, I'm thinking. Well, there was in the first season. Okay. Oh, the Australia, yeah, that's right, in the first season. Right. But only one season, I, I think, right. right? That was SBS? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, might be pretty much it. I'm, you know, I'm thinking off the top of my head. Oh, the, um, no, there was one more. Oh, one more fund, yeah. CMF, right? Did we say oh, that? Yeah, uh, I just assumed. Yeah, okay. I said it, but, um, and how has the show done um, internationally, or has it? Um, no, we've been pretty local up to this point. Um, I mean, the thing is, you know, even to get a show like this on on Netflix, because Netflix works with algorithms, and it's kind of a crazy thing. So, if they kind of worked outside of that, we think that this show would certainly have interest outside because you know it doesn't matter which country you're in the north wherever the north is and whatever country they have a problem with health care and so you know we would certainly think this would appeal to them so um do you have a distributor on board um we do i think we do but then i think they folded right they did and so we're i'm not sure where it's at right now Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I actually wanted to uh, ask a bit about the website, Hard Mark. Oh, yeah. Hard, it's hardrockmedical.com. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty rare to see a show that has, you have all the episodes available for view yeah. with no commercials, <laughs> which is kind but of unheard TBO of. doesn't have commercials either. Yeah. Uh, but usually, <laughs> usually any show, you might be able to see a couple episodes and they right. show you the same commercial five times and it's mm -hmm. just a terrible viewing experience. <laughs> But you have this really wonderfully designed website. The whole show is there. Yeah. There's profiles of people on it. So mm -hmm. was that a plan sort of early on? I mean, and it's not it's it's not a TVO slash Hard Rock Medical. It's just hardrockmedical.com. So yeah. do you want to talk a little bit about how that came about? Um, probably not the right person because <laughs> I've had very little to do. You just said make it so. The, yeah, that's right. Gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> uh, about worth checking out for anyone mm -hmm. who's interested in the show. You can watch the whole thing. On yeah, there. absolutely. Um, any other questions out there? What about the cast? You guys have um, anything to? Um... <laughs> Considering the environment of Sudbury versus the environment of North Bay, would it affect your writing choices? Uh, not really. I, I wouldn't say. Why? <laughs> 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 choices in what way? <laughs> In terms of the stories? Oh, yeah, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we wouldn't have had it. Well, I guess we could have had a mine. At, well, that was actually in um, Science North, right, that we used as, as a location. Um, yeah, maybe there were some things in, in Sudbury that were more, we had more mine-related stories. I think that that one had carried 
on with the character of Tonelli and and uh, but because we were in North Bay, was there a specific North Bay storyline? I'm not too sure. But Sudbury, yeah, initially. Mm-hmm. We get the being at the college in North Bay, it was the, I thought the advantage was, I don't know if this was part of your writing, that you could pretty much put a camera anywhere and point in a direction. Yeah. You could shoot the forest, you could shoot absolutely. the city, yeah, the hospital, that was, the yeah, Absolutely, that's true. We, so Canador College was kind of like our home base. And, mm-hmm. and then from there, there was actually a forest. Yep, and we, we shot, shot in that forest oh, and you? at Canador College. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. You're, you're in this sort of very mm-hmm. modern university. You walk across the yeah. road. Yeah. And I mean, you could shoot The Revenant there or something yeah. like it. It's like yeah, that, is total that what you're wilderness. Asking? Yeah, no, that, yeah. And actually, Derek sort of sent me a note specifically. If you're talking about location, then yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Made life easier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> I have Go a ahead. question. Yeah. Um, Smith, did you enjoy the process of co-writing with Derek, or did you s- at times want to wrangle it away from him? Wow. And just take it <laughs> for yourself. No, I'm just curious. Ooh. Did you enjoy the process of co-writing? Um, I think we had a pretty, you know, considering there was only two of us and no real buffer, because Christine was never really in a room with us when we were writing. <laughs> What's that? I definitely you. Yes, you did. <laughs> Christine would throw a lasso around me, I think, more than Derek, for sure. Um, you know what? We do different things. Like we're, you know, um, and so, I mean, Derek would, like we were saying earlier, I would run with stuff. And then, you know, he'd come back and go, yeah, that's, you know, that's not going to happen. And then. <laughs> and then he'd kind of take it and do, you know, his pass. And I go, oh, come on, really? <laughs> and then I'd go back and do my pass. And he goes, okay, this is the last time. <laughs> this is the script we're going in with. So, um, but, you know, I, I think that's just uh, part of writing with another person. Um, I, I certainly enjoy it. I think it has its benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it gets tricky. I mean, there was one story that we were, you know, we really wanted for season four, but just didn't pan out. Um, But, you know, that happens. I mean, sometimes as a writer, you just, it's kind of like, oh, you know, there's so much I can sort of say through this story that we haven't seen kind of thing. But I think the timing was wrong for that kind of story. And, you know, um, but anyway, did I answer your question? Uh, I know this might be a slightly fraught question with your network executive in yeah, the audience. I know. But how... Talk about being on the hot seat. I mean, now. network notes, it's, oh. it's, a, it's a really big part of the job. And yeah. how do you approach them? I mean, there's always going to be some where you go, yeah, yeah, you're right. And somewhere you're kind of, you, you feel resistant. And do you sort of open a conversation? Do you kind of look for the note behind the note? Do you have any sort of way that you approach them when they come in? Um, I I probably in the first few seasons, because, you know, you're sort of, it's a bit of a learning curve, Mm -hmm. I think, when you're working with a broadcaster. And, of course, you take things personally as a writer (laughs) whenever they come back with notes. And um, I don't think we were 
off on too many stories, you know, um, right? I mean, Christine, certainly, what I liked about Christine was she didn't mince her words. So, like, she, you know what I mean? And, and that's good because you know exactly what you're yeah, getting. Clarity, you're sort of going, clarity is helpful other than, yeah. you know, the sort of and vague, learned, yeah. I'm not sure about <laughs> this, is not always helpful. Yeah. And you learn not to take it personally. And then you kind of, you got to look at the bigger picture is that, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and for any writers starting out, I mean, this is a collaborative um, arena. I mean, there's no doubt about it. If you yeah. think as a writer, I mean, you can write at home, but once it leaves your computer, whatever, I mean, there's like 50,000 people who are just going to be a part of that whole process, you know. Otherwise, you know, be a painter and paint something and hang it on your wall. And that's probably the truest form of, mm-hmm. you know, expression and being a solo artist, like not even a novelist. You have that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's what you have to sort of get over real quick when you're, you know, as a screenwriter, especially a TV writer, is that um, it's a real collaborative effort. Um, and everybody, you know, everybody wants to put themselves into the show you're making. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, a costume designer or whoever it is, they want to express themselves and that's mm-hmm. why they've chosen this field. And so I think finding ways to channel your sort of creativity together rather than kind of <clears> arguing <throat> over, that's, I think, one of the the hardest things to learn, but the most rewarding things to learn is that really that you're 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 a wheel in the machine like anyone else mm-hmm. even even though the idea may have originated with you it becomes everyone's at a certain yeah, point and you've absolutely. got absolutely and you serve it like everyone else mm-hmm. um uh, any other questions all right well <laughs> thank you everybody for coming thank you thank very you. much to smith Corindia, to the cast thank for you. coming to join us today to TIFF and the Writers Guild. Thanks and see you again. You've been listening to Writers Talking TV, presented by the Writers Guild of Canada. All the podcasts in this series can be found on the Writers Guild website, wgc.ca, and at iTunes. Thanks to the team at TIFF Bell Lightbox and to our technical producer, Philip Vukovic. And of course, thanks to Smith Corindia of Hard Rock Medical for taking part in today's edition of Writers Talking TV. I'm Patrick Tarr. Thank you for listening.